All right, y'all. You know what time it is. This is Never Out of Bounce, and this is your host, L. Jamal. It's been a rough week. I'm just I'm getting uh, over the the last little bit of my cold. I should be I should be ready to go starting tomorrow. Hopefully, 100 percent, 100 100. I'll say probably as of right now, probably a good 85 to 90. Some still sniffles, some congestion, but other than that. I'm all right. I'm all right, y'all. I've been doing good outside of that. I hope y'all been doing good, too. Tonight, there's not a whole lot of news to talk about. Not not any. Uh, tonight, it's going to be talking a whole lot of shit. And I got some uh, reviews to do as well. And I got one conference preview to get, uh, get through as well. This will be the wrap-up of all my college uh, conferences. So, we're going to wrap that up tonight as well. So, let's get right into it. And uh, over the past week... One thing that I've been hearing a lot of, whether it be on Facebook, I've heard a little bit of about some on the news, uh, all the way down to social media. Of course, we got our memes, we got the little cookout jokes, and of course, uh, the topic of discussion is Amorosa. Now, a lot has been said about her, you know, having these tapes that apparently uh, has Trump in the act of saying the N word. She has upwards of 200 tapes, uh, I guess, you know, with Trump in compromising positions, you know, that make him look like a racist, things like that. And uh, apparently she's, you know, calling calling upon herself to be the to be the, you know, the piece that brings him down. Um, one thing I will say is, you know, just listening to everything. And of course, you know, I, I look I look at the I look at the little jokes on Facebook and I hear the well we would invite, you know, Amarosa's cool enough to come to the cookout, this, that, and the other. And you know what? I don't keep it real with you. I don't care what she says at this point. I don't care what she calls herself revealing. Because all she's really doing is is proving uh, or providing with us information that we've already been saying. Trump is a racist. Oh, well, we've already known that. I, you know, he's had uh, numerous cases uh, settled, of course, out of court lawsuits, you know, in him against his name uh, in terms of discrimination, whether it be in one of his rental properties. Uh, a lot of times it would be one of his rental properties. He wasn't renting to black people. This goes back to the 70s. So, you know, to say that he's a racist, we already have been saying that. Thanks, but no thanks. You're kind of just proving what we already were saying, Amarosa. And uh, if he was so much of, of, of that bad of a guy, uh, he was so much of a deviant, you would have you would have realized that. You would have realized that when you decided to show up on his show, you know, a decade ago, trying to become a new apprentice. That's something that an apprentice would would pick off. Those are the type of things somebody as close to somebody as an apprentice would would know. You would you would have already seen that. Uh, you would have already seen that he has those issues. But again, you were in a position where you, you could have elevated your status. And that's what all certain black people give a damn about. So it didn't matter at the time. But, you know, you figured you save face. He already let you go out of your position. He cut you loose. And you figured you'd get back at him. I, I think she's being uh, petty. Uh, she's offering, like again, she's offering no solutions. And she's telling us shit that we've already heard. We've already known that his party is, or at least the people that's backing him, are not forthright. 
Coretta Scott King has already mentioned, uh, has had already mentioned Jeff Sessions as one of the main opponents to civil rights and uh, the the Voting Rights Act at one point in time. So we already knew who he was surrounded with were no good people. Paul Ryan is a governor of one of the brokest, well, I would say not brokest states, but in, in a state where they pay one of the lowest wages in the country in Wisconsin. So we already know that they're up to no good. So so for for her to be, you know, saying these things now, like it's a grand revelation that she's doing us a favor. No, thank you. No, thank you. You're just promoting your new book, Unhinged, an insider's account of the Trump White House. That's all she's doing. She's not doing anything special. She's a whore. She's been I'm going to outright say it. She's she's been one since she was all she came on The Apprentice. She's just there for her two two cents and her little 15 minutes of fame. She has she's done nothing to 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 get my respect. Uh, she's she's said nothing to have gained my respect. She was the same woman two or three years ago that was hand and foot all with it. So now for her to, you know, get tossed to the side, that's what the hell you get after they use you sell out. You've already sold out and that's how they do you. And I think you are a dog. I'm sorry. She was a dog when she joined up with them. Don't try to don't try to change it now, folk, just because now she wants to change her. No, 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 no. She already knew that to begin with. She knew what she was getting into. No, she had she saw what she saw, what she sees now, just like an opportunity back then when she decided to be to, to go under his wing, quote unquote, to become one of his apprentices. She knew exactly what she was getting into. So to turn to, to turn an about face 15, 20 years later after knowing the man and now saying, oh, yeah, he's a racist. Please. We knew this. We were saying this about him. Again, what is she doing other than other than selling her book? It's about some money. I'm going to say it right now. She's whoring herself out just for some attention. She knows she didn't fucked up with black folk and she know why people don't like her now. So what do you do? Well, I'm just going to snitch and, and hopefully the black people take me back. Not this one. Not this one. I can see past your bullshit. I know I know 90% of people can't see it. Just like Colin Kaepernick, they can't see past the bullshit. I know. I know. I'm here to I'm here to say it. We already knew what she was saying. We already know that Trump is a racist. We already So what are we gonna do? What solution do you have? Yes, we 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 have all the tapes. What do you need? What, how many more tapes do till you till we get angry enough to to really push impeachment? Come on, I don't care about stupid ass shit like him being. We knew this. What's the next plan? How are we gonna get him out of here? How are we gonna replace him if that's the plan? How do we get him to change his ways if if you know we can't just get him? How are we gonna force him to you know change up his his strategy? Which he's probably not gonna do. But shit, we allowed him to be voted in there, so I'm not. I hate. For y'all to be picking and, and trying to be on Amorosa's side now. Oh, she can come to my cookout. Y'all can't come to mine because y'all 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 too wishy-washy. I really don't know where a lot of y'all stand. So, on further review, I'm going to say it again. Amorosa's a hoe. She's just doing it for the money. It ain't about trying to expose somebody. It ain't about really looking out for black folk. Because if she was really about that, she should have been exposing them a long time ago. Because she's known it for that much longer. She's known that that those situations have arose. I know. I, if he, if he's, if he's as much as of a racist as she's claimed she, as he claims he is, there's no way he'd be able to hide that from her. After all those years, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. That's one. That's one heifer that can't come nowhere to my cookout 
She can't come to my my Christmas. She can't come to my Kwanzaa. She ain't coming to my Thanksgiving. None of that. She can't come to my Labor Day. I, she's not invited, yo. Don't stop playing that shit and don't and stop making everything a fucking joke. This is not funny. Oh, she can come to the cookout. No, she's a sellout. She was riding with that man to begin with. She don't get to come now. You don't get the change. There's no changing back from that. You've already been exposed as a turncoat. You were turncoat against your people. I'm going to leave it at that, y'all. Okay? I'm not cool with that. And she can snitch all she want to. She already knew what was going on to begin with. That's what they... Come on. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we got some sports to talk about. Uh, I told you we're going to wrap up these conference previews tonight. We're going to be talking about uh, the ACC. And then we're going to talk about a little bit about my favorite baseball team. We're going to talk about some Oakland A's. I'm going to be the cheerleader tonight. We're going to hype them up. And uh, we're going to wrap everything up, like I said, with a couple reviews, a TV review and a movie review. Uh, So we'll be right back, y'all. Peace. Alright everybody, I'm back and I got some college football to talk about with you guys. Tonight I got one last conference preview. Tonight we're going to be going over the ACC, which is the Atlantic Coastal Conference. As usual, as with these bigger conferences, this uh, is also this conference is also broken down into two divisions. These two being the Atlantic and the Coastal. In terms of last year, in terms of last year's standings, uh, let's go into the Atlantic Division. Clemson finished uh, a number uh, number one in the division. Also, they w- ended up winning the conference title. They finished seven and one in conference play, uh, play two and twelve overall, and they finished number four in the country. At number two, we got NC State, North Carolina State, finishing at number twenty three in the nation with a six and two conference record and eight and four overall record. Louisville is next at four and four in conference play, eight and four in over eight and four overall. Here comes Wake Forest at number four. Four and four conference play, eight and five overall. And here comes Boston College at number five. Four and four in conference play, seven and six overall. Florida State and Syracuse both bring up the bottom. Florida State is at three and five was at three and five and seven and six in conference play. Syracuse was two and six and then also four and eight in conference play. In terms of uh, the major ball games, uh, the biggest one uh, was with Clemson. They ended up losing their semifinal matchup. Uh, was against uh, Georgia. Actually, it wasn't against Georgia. I want to say it was against Alabama. They played each other a couple times in the last few years, uh, either for a championship or uh, in the semifinals. So those are one of the two top teams out there. So Clemson is definitely the cream of the crop. They haven't always been in this conference, but in the last four or five years, I would say so. So off to the Coastal Division. At number one, we got Miami, who finished seven and one in conference play, ten and two overall. Here comes Virginia Tech, who finished twenty four in the nation with a five and three uh, conference record, nine and four overall. Uh, Georgia Tech comes in at four uh, at number three with a four and four record in conference play, five and six. Overall, here comes Duke at number four, three and five at conference play, six and seven in overall. Uh, Virginia is at number six, three and five, six and seven in overall. Uh, we also have Pittsburgh coming in at, uh, excuse me, 
at six. Uh, Virginia would be at five. So Pittsburgh is at six. Three and five conference play. Five and seven overall. And at the bottom, at number seven, we got North Carolina. One and seven in conference play. Three and nine in uh, overall play. Now, in terms of the recruiting aspect of things, we like we always do. We talk about the top three teams, and the top three things. The top three teams in this conference are were Clemson, Miami, and uh, Florida State. Now, in terms of Clemson and recruiting, they were able to get 17 total commits. They were number they were ranked number seven in the nation. Uh, they got five five star recruits, including Jackson Cameron, offensive tackle from Fairfield, Ohio, who happens to also be the first uh, who happens to be the the number one ranked. Uh, Defensive tackle in his state, actually the number one recruit out of his state, and the number two uh, recruit at his position in the nation. Now, also, they were able to get, um, excuse me, Daria Kendrick, wide receiver out of Rock Hill, South Carolina, and they also got seven, uh, seven four star recruits, including Lynn J. Dixon, Dixon, running back from Butler County, Georgia, and also uh, Justin Mescal. An off, uh, outside linebacker from Brandonton, Florida. Now, in terms of Miami, they finished number eight in the nation in terms of recruiting, and they got 23 total commits. They finished with one five-star recruit, Lorenzo Lingard, running back from Orange City, Florida. They also got 14 four-star recruits, including Marquez Ezard, wide receiver. They also got DJ Ivy, a cornerback from Horn, uh, Homestead, Florida. Then they also got uh, wide receiver Brandon Hightower uh, from Brandonton, Florida. So, you know, as you could tell, both the two Florida teams, uh, Miami, and you'll see it again with Florida State, they do a pretty good job of recruiting within the state. I'll say uh, Florida State does a good job of recruiting around the uh, the panhandle, which is in the northern part of the state, northwestern part of the state, and pretty much, I would say, up until, uh, I would say actually the whole, I would give them probably the, the northern half to maybe the central part of the state, and then from Miami and pretty much to South Florida, pretty much the entire, entire South Florida, I would have to give to Miami. Uh, but let's move on. Speaking of Florida State, let's move on to them. Like I said, they finished third in the conference in terms of recruiting. Uh, they finished number 11 in the nation, and they had 21 total commits, 13 four-star recruits, including Jaden Woodby, safety from Bellflower, California. Cali stand up. He also got Asante Samuel Jr., cornerback from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. All my football, and my specifically my Madden fans from back in the day, y'all remember Asante Samuel, don't act like you don't remember cuz from the Patriots and the Philly and Philly and the Eagles. So this is his son. We got another uh product from a a top I would yeah, this is a quarterback too. Like I said, uh I believe I mentioned last night with the SEC, Patrick Sertain. Uh he was a top cornerback from the late nineties, early two thousands. His son uh is a commit. I wanna say uh either from Auburn or Georgia, one of the two. And then uh same thing with Asante Samuel Jr., one of the top cornerbacks from back in the day. I wouldn't say he was like a Darrell Rivas, but definitely I would say a top at least an 85 on Matt, just to just kind of throw it out, just to see how, you know, just to throw something out there, just like, 
you guys can get sort of an idea how good he was. But he also has another son playing the same position for Lauderdale, Florida. So, you know, sons and their fathers, I like it. I like it. They follow their father's footsteps. I think it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. And finally, for Florida State, they brought in Robert Cooper, a defensive tackle from Snailville, Georgia. Uh, he was a number nine uh, ranked defensive tackle from the four star recruit standpoint. And he's a big mountain of a man. He's six foot two, 377 pounds. So Florida State going to have some, some meat on that defensive line. And they also ended up getting a wide receiver, Warren Thompson uh, from Sefner, Florida. Now, looking at everything now and just, you know, just to, just, you know, picking a favorite is, it's kind of easy with this conference. Again, like I've said before, uh, for the past four or five years, Clemson has been the cream of the crop. They were recruiting outright well. They have one of the better coaches in the league with Dabo Sweeney. Uh, they've, Like I said, they've either been in the national championship or been in the top four, which means they got to a semi uh, semifinal playoff. That means they're definitely winning their conference. So, you know, until I see somebody – beat them they're gonna be the outright favorite for me uh, i don't see anybody coming close this year uh, one thing i will say is a couple notes about clemson is that they're going to be bringing back the nation's best defensive line and they're also going to be returning three starters on the offensive line now one thing to take away from them is they will be having a quarterback battle it might have it might have wrapped up or it might be uh, wrapped up within the first few weeks of the season but you got senior quarterback kelly bryant uh, he's going to be facing a, a facing the freshman Trevor Lawrence. So uh, hopefully, well, if I think in terms of consistency, I would like to see Kelly Bryant work his way out. However, uh, a lot has been said about Trevor Lawrence being able to uh, throw the ball a lot better down the field. So you never know how that's going to go. Um, in terms of a as in terms of a dark horse, excuse me. I, I think I might go with Miami. Uh, Miami uh, finished second overall in the ACC last year. Uh, they finished. Uh, they actually they won uh, their division, the Coastal Division. Uh, again, I think they have one of the better returning teams. Uh, they they're bringing back almost everybody on their their defense, at least in their secondary. So they look to be solid there. And the only reason I can't necessarily go for Florida State because they're breaking in a new head coach, Willie Taggart, and a new defensive coordinator with Harlan, Bar Harlan Barnett. And they're only returning three starters on that defense. Uh, one good thing though is that they will be hosting Clemson and Virginia Tech. So that that kind of gave me uh, kind of the I, 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 I can give them a sleeper. Uh, I don't. I don't know if if they really challenged this year, but definitely they turned the ship around. Same thing with Miami. They improved. It just in my opinion, I don't really see anybody beating, you know, uh, Clemson this year. Uh, we got a couple teams to talk about. Wake, Wake Forest and North Carolina. They're gonna have to uh, improve a lot coming into this year. I think more so in the sake of North Carolina, they will. They bring back a few more starters, but both these teams I want to highlight because they both had terrible defenses last year. Wake Forest allowed twenty eight point three points last year, and North Carolina added thirty. Uh, allowed 31.3 so those are not really good averages um, especially when you want especially in a conference like the ACC where you just get eaten alive and as you can tell North Carolina's conference record was one and seven I believe they finished four and eight overall so overall it was a, it was a down year for them I'm not too sure if they they write the ship but defensively it's gonna have to happen uh, North Carolina State I'm a little bit uh, 
you know, I'm not too sure what to say about them per se. They lost a lot of uh, a lot of strength along their D line, including Bradley Chubb last year to last uh, to the draft. Now they are bringing back the league's well, at least the conference's best uh, quarterback with Ryan Finley, and they do have a favorable favorable schedule. They'll be playing Wake Forest and Boston College, two uh, weaker teams at home, and then they're going to be also playing a couple other weaker teams in the conference, Virginia and North Carolina. So they. If anything, I don't know if they'll challenge for the top spot, but they'll finish within the top three, I think, uh, right behind Florida. Uh, I'm sorry, right behind uh, Miami. Florida State might, you know, come in at third or fourth right behind them. But, I, you know, again, this is a conference where it's kind of a little bit too easy to pick right now. Uh, if anything, the, the biggest question would be who would be the team that would challenge Clemson. And to be honest with you, I don't I don't really have an answer for that. I don't like I said, I don't uh, trust Florida State. They're not bringing back a whole lot of starters on defense. Like I said, they're breaking in two coaches, one on the defensive side of the ball and one overall player, only one overall play caller in their head coach. So I don't know. You know, I definitely I got to go with the team that's been most consistent and a team that could possibly get get better based on who they brought in at their quarterback position. So with that being said, I got Clemson winning the ACC. We've gone through all the football, the college football, that is. So I hope you all ready for it. I'm ready for it. This is my like I said, this is one of my favorite times of the year. I love college football. So with that being said, we're going to take another break and we're going to get into the chill part of the show. Actually, we got we're going to talk about some A's baseball. This is my favorite team. I'm going to have to put them on tonight. So, again, when I come back, y'all better be ready for that. I'm going to be on my soapbox. So, I All right, my people. So, we're back. And like I said, I wanted to talk about my A's tonight. Now, the Oakland A's this season, 2018, have gone through some very deep extremes. We started off the year the buy at the bottom and it's funny because when I first started this check when I first started this podcast we were still struggling at least third place in the division I really wasn't too sure where we would be uh, what how you know what would change I really didn't have it in my mind that we would you know somehow get right the ship but as of today even with the loss to the Astros 9-4 today, we're still second in the AL West, but we are down by just a game. And with that being said, if you look at the last 10 games, it looks like the Astros have been struggling and we've been on the come up. Uh, at one point, headed to today, headed into today's, today's game, we were actually first in the West. So this is uh, this division is liable to go anywhere. You know, as of today, uh, the Astros are on top, 75 and 49. Now, of course, the A's are right behind them at 74 and 50, and then you got the Mariners at 71 and 54. So, uh, well, you know, and they've gone 6 and 4 the last 10, so they're still, you know, within the conversation because you never know. I mean, it could go... It could it could go bypass the Astros and the and the A's and go to the Mariners. They are right there, and they do have a, a capable squad of doing so. But uh, from what I've seen from the A's, it's just a real scrappy base 
type of baseball. They don't give up. They come to play and they score in opportune times and they score multiple runs. And I think that's very important coming into, you know, going into the playoffs or even something as important as a wild card game. Speaking of which, um, they the Yankees are still holding on to that uh, number one spot, 78 and 46, which it kind of would behoove me. Uh, will behoove uh, either the Astros or the A's to kind of pick it up and win this division uh, because you'll have to go between the Mariners and actually the Indians who are a bit hot. The Indians have gone eight and two their last 10 and they've pretty much been consistent within the last 10 category as well. At the, at the moment they are uh, leading their uh, division though. But you know, again, we don't know how, you know, how things will play out. Uh, but I, I think they pretty much have their division, you know, locked up. So, you know, in the reality, it would be up to, you know, the if 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 I were the A's, would I want a playoff game? One playoff game just to get into playoffs? No. I'd, I'd want to wrap it up. But, you know, with the way that they play, you know, I any given game and I wouldn't want to that'd be the last game that'd be the last team that I would want to play with just one game to go in order to get into the playoffs now maybe last the last time we were in a position like this when a wild card game we had to play uh was this we had to play uh Kansas City I was here they ended up going to the play uh the, the World Series and you know that team that A's team it's not the same A's team, and I don't think it was as good as this team is today. I think if we were to go back in time with this A's team, we'd beat Kansas City. I wouldn't say we won the World Series that year, but we'd definitely get past Kansas City. This is a lot better A's team that I've seen. And this is, this again, this is uh, personal for me. This is one of the first teams, one of the very first sports teams that I was able to ever able to see live so the connection that i have with the a's is is it goes back uh the movie Moneyball. i was there for a lot of those games either i was in attendance or i was watching them on tv so that whole streak that whole movie i lived it you know this is this is you know my you know my favorite baseball team i can't help it i'm not being a homer at all I, at least I hope I'm not, but just looking at where they came from in the beginning of the year, they weren't even supposed to be in this conversation. Now they have a chance to win a division. Uh, we haven't done that in a couple years, and uh, it would be nice to see. Now before we and before I wrap everything up, um, a couple things I do want to talk about. If if the MVP, you know, if I could name an A's MVP right now for us, I personally I gotta go with Chris Davis, uh, the most reliable hitter. I've seen so far this year, uh, two fifty batting average. He has he's in terms of his batting average, he's been one of the most consistent in the league. He's been at two forty seven or at two fifty for the past two or three years. Uh, he, at currently, he has thirty four home runs, ninety five RBIs, and the thing about his home runs is that they're always clutch. Watch the series against the Rangers, the Astros. I'm telling you, they don't want it. They really don't want it with us. I really would not want to see any. I, I don't think anybody wants to see us in a one playoff game, like in a wild card setting. Y'all don't want that. I don't even think y'all can really see us in the series. I'm telling you. I mean, we're 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 getting better. We're getting to be one of those teams that should be taken seriously. It just sucks that we don't have. We have one of the worst attendance records in the league. 
We got to start shooting up to these games, ladies and gentlemen. If you're a fan, please show up. I myself, I've been a victim of not being able to show out myself, but I think it's time. I think it's time we show this. We show the area, Bay Area, that there is baseball in the East Bay, and we play good baseball in the East Bay. Not to disrespect the Giants, but they suck right now. They're trash right now. So I'm going to put on for the best team in the Bay. I'll put on for the green and yellow, the Oakland A's. I've always been that way. Uh, I think y'all should show up. I want to be showing up. Um, speaking of which, they're going to be the home, this home series starting tomorrow against the Rangers. Let's do this. There's no way we should be losing, at least to the Rangers. It's hard to, you know, play the prediction game. But with one game back and the way we're they're we're playing, and then you look at what the Astros have been doing, going three and seven in the last ten, and they've been kind of struggling lately. The A's could catch them off guard, you know. You do not, you know. In either way, believe it or not, even with the record that the Yankees have right now, I don't think they want to see the A's in a play in a in a one game playoff setting, y'all. I just don't, I just don't buy it. All right, y'all. We gonna take another break. And we're going to come back. We got a, a, a review to talk about. We're going to be talking about that. Do, 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 That George Lopez show. All right, y'all. We'll be right back. Hey, hey. All right, y'all. We are back. And like I said, we're going to get into this George Lopez show. Now, um, I didn't, I wasn't into it right away when it came, when it first came out. I got into it a little bit later when it um, when it got to Nick at night. They started showing the reruns on there, but you know, from the moment I kind of you know watched the first little, because whenever they put a new show on there, they you know they go put it on a on an all night marathon. So you sitting there watching all. You basically watch the first all the whole season, the whole first season or two within the first couple nights that they put the show on air. So you end up watching that whole that whole series basically. And just, you know, it was something that, um, you know, that I liked because I'm into different cultures, believe it or not. I don't know if that's, you know, something you guys are into, but I definitely like to learn about them. I like to, you know, interact with different cultures, even if I can't be, you know, physically in the same vicinity. I, you know, I wouldn't mind watching it on TV or anything like that. And, you know. Is for me, it's just, you know, cultural awareness, you know, and this was definitely one of those shows that was I felt like I don't know if, you know, was authentic. I never thought to ask a Latino person how they felt about the show, but I figured, you know, I, you know, I figured I got an idea and then also, you know, I made friends with Latino people and I, you know, just just living life and you see the you see the good side you see the funniness you see you know another side of things you see how the other side lives and you get to couple that with your real life experience and what you're learning from people as you go along and i just felt like you know it was, it was reflective of what i was seeing it was definitely funny uh it was you know relevant to everybody really everybody's had uh, had experienced some of the issues that George faced, you know, in terms of his, his uh, title character. He worked at a, uh industrial plant making uh, air aircraft parts. His two bosses, Jack and Mel, were just those, you know, those real conservative white guys that wanted to, you know, maximize maximize the workforce without having to pay this or get a, you know, and they were always slick. You know, there's there's bosses like that. So again, I definitely like shows that. 
you know, reflect kind of kind of what you deal with in real life. And it's good to see that it's good to see, in my opinion, to see uh, how a Mexican guy might deal with it or an Asian guy might deal with it. Back in the 90s, we had a lot of uh, black shows like we had a lot of black family shows, uh, Family Matters. Uh, we had Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. We even had, you know, not necessarily a black family show, but just like a black couple show. We had Martin and stuff like that. So it's always good to see those those relationships. And, you know, it's it's good for other people to be able to look at TV and be able to be represented on there, too. So, like I said, it was, you know, they definitely represented their culture on the show. You definitely got a chance to see that. Um his whole family unit pretty much operated, you know, they, and I, one thing I will say is I think the cast itself really worked the way that they worked with each other. Uh, you know, George being who he was as the breadwinner going through all the, the trials and tribulations with that and just trying to make sure he maintains, you see that, you see that struggle. You've seen that before with many, many male influences, whether in your life or just around you. Uh, one thing I will say is I like the dynamic between him and his wife, Angie, played by Constance Marie, a definitely solid wife you know, woman figure to see and definitely something good to see on, you know, a Latino show, uh, definitely a good dynamic to see a loving, committed relationship. And that's things you don't always see. You see a whole lot of drama on TV, you see a whole lot of negativity, but you don't see a whole lot of, you know, happy, you know, couples that been together, that been through the struggle. You know, she eventually started up her own career as well. You know, she was able to, you know, you know, at first for a long time, you know, in their relationship in the show, she was just, you know, the stay-at-home housewife but eventually she followed her dreams too and despite George in the beginning you know like all guys may or may not do from time to time he got you know a little bit you know um you know he's tripped out a little bit with that well of course but over time he was able to support her he helped make her the office you know the people my, my people's know they just saw the show i'm just i'm just more saying why i liked it and just you know reviewing it from there i'm not gonna get into the synopsis of this show y'all didn't watch it i know y'all watched this show so you know another one of my favorite characters uh has to be vic Played by uh, Emiliano Diaz, uh, he 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 his the way that he worked off of George Lopez is hilarious. If you, if you don't remember, if you don't know about Vic though, for those who don't know, Vic is Angie's dad, so he's George's stepfather. Uh, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, born or well, not yeah, born and raised in Cuba during the Castro era. So he's you know thick accent, all that. He's a heart you know heart surgeon. So especially in the beginning. Of the show he would always roast george you know about you know who he, you know about you know his job and stuff like that but it was i mean and even with that you could kind of tell it was out of love he's just poking at him he you know he understood that that's who his wife is his daughter angie wanted to be with and even if he you know you know even if he wasn't always supportive for george he supported angie and that's who she loved so eventually there if you could see the dynamics of their relationship change and i like shows that show you that you know can can you know showcase the you know the evolution of people's relationships and you got to see that you get to see the evolution of characters one one part uh one character for example is grandma benny 
Now, Grandma Benny was a hard asshole. She, you know, she was always busting on George's chops. She was busting on the kids. She was busting on the wife. She didn't care. But then eventually, she even gets her a little boo thing. She got her little white dude named Randy. And he was younger than her, you know, trailer park dude. But, you know, he liked her. And, you know, again, you get to see that those dynamics of those relationships. And I like the fact that they took it um, a step further in terms of the relationships that they had on their uh, common relationship. Uh, she ended up dating a rich, uh, a wealthier guy named. Um, mm, what's his name? Jason. Now, Jason was a baseball player. His dad was like a, a millionaire type guy. Of course, George had issues with that just because, you know. You know, he didn't have all the money in the world, but, you know, Jason looked past that again. You And you kind of got to see that you never. And again, you don't really see too many shows where somebody rich is, is going out of their way to date somebody working class or or, you know, white and Mexican relations or something like that. But again, in that early 2000s period, this show was doing that. It was giving you a different side of it, telling you that, hey, you know, we're not really tripping here. You know, it's just all about, you know, positivity. You got to see that. So I definitely like this show for just just for, you know, what it offered. It definitely was entertaining. I felt I got to see, you know, this another side of people, you know, and, 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 you know, I enjoyed George Lopez's comedy. A lot of the jokes that he uses in the show, he used on his stand-up. So if you're following him, then, you know, you, you're a fan of his, then, you know, definitely you're going to like this. You're going to like the show. I Would I recommend it? Yes. I'd say that's something that if you want to take the investment, I'd buy the whole box set. Why not? I think it's a good show. All right, y'all. We're going to take one last break. And we come back, we got one more one more review for tonight. I'm going to be talking about my favorite movie of all time. Again, I'm not going to get into all the little details about how it was or, you know, what it was about because we've all seen it. I'm pretty sure we have. And it's going to be The Mask by my mans, Jim Carrey. All right, y'all. We'll be right back. All right, y'all. We're back. We're going to finish it up for tonight. Like I said, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite movies, The Mask. Yes, with Jim Carrey. Why is it my favorite movie? For that one reason, Jim motherfucking Carrey. In my opinion, he's the second best physical uh, physical acting comedian next to Robin Williams, R.I.P. But uh, Jim Carrey, of course... Ain't nobody really holding a candle to him. Of course, like I said, Robin Williams is good. But outside of Robin Williams, you know, something about Jim Carrey, you know, in that movie. And, um, you know, what I what I and, and see a lot of times what people don't get. And I think maybe maybe I might. This might be my opinion. Not all movies are made just for the sake of, you know, making a movie and. Or, you know, not all movies should be looked at in the case of, you know, fine art or anything, you know. You know, there is your fine art, there is your Picassos, there is your drama, there is your Stanley Kubrick's and all that type of stuff when you're talking about cinema, of course. But sometimes, you know, movies made to to fit a character, to fit an actor, to fit that range in which that actor can do. And, and in all reality, it's really his showcase. It's really his... Uh, 
modus operandi to the world. This is how he's going to do his thing. And if you, you know, if you know anything about Jim Carrey up until this point, this was this was his moment. Uh, if you if you are uh, are aware of him uh, outside of his cinema and outside of his major budget movies, you know that he was on In Living Color. And he's kind of doing the same thing. Physical comedy, you know, characters, goofy faces, gestures and just and just the way he did it. In my opinion, you know, one of the best to do it next to, like I said, Robin Williams. And I'll let y'all have that. And I'm only going to say that out of respect to Robin Williams. Me personally, I got to ride with Jim Carrey. And, and this movie is, is you know, the reason why. Now, of course, there was a lot of special effects that they added, of course. But, you know, something about Jim Carrey in that mask and just the way he did it. I, I, I don't, you know... The, the way the way he would work his lips and go oh smoking and just the way he enunciates the way he carried himself definitely i mean i looked at this movie for years and it was and don't get me wrong like i'm not saying he was like a denzel in terms of acting or anything like that but in terms of what it is it's a comedy it's one of the best that I've ever seen. Just the way he uh, approached every scene with, with energy. You can see it all throughout the movie uh, from the dancing scene. Uh, well, the, actually the scene before he robs the bank, you know, right before, uh, you know, he hits the bank. He gets out the shower. He goes, P-A-R-T. Why? And, you know, he just goes through his motions. And I'm telling you, just the way he handles himself, you know, from that scene to even in the beginning uh, where the guy, the gang uh, tries to jump him and he and he has him chase him to the back alley. And out of nowhere, he's it's like a carnival. He pops up with his little game corner. He's like, come on up. Let me get you a balloon animal. Like, what? the fuck and he's into it like every character that 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 mask encompass he he was doing that like in the end of the movie where they come up to him when they got all the guns they about to shoot him he goes and he, he starts chilling and dirty dirty harry you gotta ask yourself one question do i feel and i'm telling you i mean just the range in which he could go back and forth from just the goofy over the top you know and I, and like i said some movies are made to be a showcase and the mask was a showcase for Jim Carrey's talents. They told him do whatever you want, act as crazy as you want. Look, mom, I'm broke and that's what the fuck he did. Unhinged, un unabashed. And you know, I know a lot of people might, you know, um prefer and I would call uh what do you call it uh Ace Ventura to this. Uh-uh. I can't do it. And the reason why, and I'll tell it to you real quick, is because in Ace Ventura, he pretty much was one character. As quirky as that character was, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt just because of how, how quirky that character was, Ace was. But in The Mask, he was required to do so much. He was this humble, you know, square guy, Stanley Ipkiss, which he got. You know, he he got the uh, the elements of getting up every day. You're at a job where you don't like, where you're not appreciated. His boss is on his ass. Believe me, I know. Oh, yes. You know, he's just a nondescript Stanley Ipkiss. And then when he puts on that mask, he's, he could be he could take on any persona. You know, he took on Cuban Pete, you know, he and he, he can do all that. He took on the French little little, uh, you know, the accent. He goes, you know, uh you know, he starts messing with Cameron Diaz. You know, she is so coy. 
I love it. You know, and he's just all over the place. You know, they have him. For, and of course, you know, they add the special effects. But these are hilarious. One of the scenes that I love um, when the cops finally come and get him, they go, all right, freeze. He's, oh, he freezes up. And he, literally, he's on ice. And they go tell him, hey, uh, what are you doing? And then he goes, y'all told me to freeze. All right, unfreeze. Instantly falls on him. I'm like, dude, come on, like. One of the best physical comp comedians I've ever seen, you know, the way his energy again, just one of one. Uh, and one thing I will say, he has some of the best energy I've seen on camera, um, you know, from beginning to end, you know, especially when he's, of course, when he's made that transformation, all eyes are on him. All eyes are on him. And this is one of those movies. What, and the reason why I know I love it. And, and this is a good movie. Because I can turn this movie on. And I, it's a generational movie. I can I can, I can, can have my little cousins come over. And they'll watch it once. And they'll want to watch it over and over again. My old school. My older partners. They my age. I turn it. They know exactly what I'm talking about when I turn it on. And one thing you can't say. One thing you cannot deny about this movie. And if you do, we're going to have to argue. We can argue all day. This is the only time in her life that Cameron Diaz has looked good. Now, my girl, you know, she not she not tripping. She know I ain't got no chance at no Cameron Diaz. But I'm just saying, that's the only time in her life where she was ever that bad. She fell off the face of the earth after that movie. She would never look as bad as that one scene in the beginning where dude Charlie, where bruh Charlie goes, Hold the phone. Killer at 3 o'clock. Y'all remember that scene? Hold the phone. Killer at 3 o'clock. And then the camera goes right up right up her cleavage, right up to her face. That's the baddest Cameron Diaz will ever be. She never looked as good as she ever did in that movie. That's the second best thing about that movie. But outside of Cameron Diaz um, and, just, and just in total. Now, one thing I will say is the plot. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, of course, when I, as you get older, you, you are, you're hyper analyzing everything. Everything becomes a good and bad thing instead of you just enjoying it. Um, of course you get hyper critical of things like the plot, like I said, and just other, you know, other stuff, cinematography or whatever. And you know what, you know, as I got, as I got older, yeah, the plot, you know, probably wasn't the most complete. It probably didn't make the most sense. But again, you got to understand what the movie was there for. It was a showcase. It was more so it wasn't there to be, you know, in and out, you know, a masterpiece. It was there as, like I said, a showcase for the talents of Jim Carrey. It was more so for you to hit for you to hear Jim Carrey say stuff like hold on to your lug nuts it's time for an overhaul and stick shit up people's asses that's what it was for now of course we didn't see that scene but you know we all know what happened that one night he went back to Irv and them yo Irv bring around the loner See, they, they did that man Stanley so cold, bruh. They gave that man that beat-up ass car like that. Had him showing up to the club. The car backfiring. And they had him embarrassed in front of the girl. In front of in front of Cameron Diaz. Sir, this is your car. Nah, it's not my car. It matches the ticket. Oh, and you got to remember this, remember this one? Okay, fine. I'll take it. But I am very angry. Who does that? Jim 
fucking carry. You ain't touching him. Ain't nobody touching him. Maybe Robin Williams, but no. Maybe. And that's a ma- well, yeah, again, I'm gonna have to separate the two. Cause I don't wanna cause again, I'm I'm personally a fan of Jim Carrey. I don't wanna, you know, upset nobody. Oh man, Robert Williams, that's my man's. I'm sorry, I don't wanna disrespect you. And out of my my personal respect for the man myself, I don't know if I can say Jim Carrey is better, but he, he damn sure the one who I prefer. This movie right here had me rolling from beginning to end. It was funny, it was silly, it was goofy, it was Jim Carrey. It was definitely a Jim Carrey movie. To me, I'll have to take, again, I'm going to take it over Ace Ventura because, like I said, in Ace Ventura, he was just one guy, Ace Ventura, and as distinct as Ace Ventura was, he was not as distinct even as Stanley Ipkiss. Sorry. Stanley, Stanley Ipkiss accompanied so many different feelings, and then, like I said, there were so many different personas he had when he put that mask on. Y'all remember. Y'all remember. Even in his dreams, even in Stanley's dreams, when he was just regular Stanley. Remember when he was acting all cool? Hi. You know, smoking the cigarette, trying to get at his camera. De- <sighs> Hello. You know, like he's a player or something. And then it turns out his dog was looking at his face. That was some cold shit. That was some cold. Because you, you, you felt it. You bought into it. Oh, he played about to get this. And out of nowhere, his dog licking his face. And he like, man, what the fuck is this? That's cold. So, I mean, you know, one of my personal favorite movies, like, I, like again, it had me rolling from beginning to end. Just the energy that, that Jim Carrey brings. The, the, the special effects weren't that bad either. Uh, they, you know, he looked, he still looked human in the mask. It almost looked like, you know, that's who he was, you know, like as a kid, it was done so good to me. Like for a kid, I almost, for a long time as a kid, I almost thought that that's what Jim Carrey looked like in real life. It was that good to me. It was done that, you know, in terms of his reactions in the mask, you know, just the cinematography in terms of the special effects. I, I didn't think it was that bad. Like, of course, like, again, the plot itself probably, you know, had some holes. It probably wasn't the greatest, but I'll definitely give it the special effects. I'll definitely, I'll definitely give it um, Jim Carrey. So if I were to grade it for what it is now, you know, a lot of people will probably give it a six or a five, whatever. Personally, for what it is as a vehicle for Jim Carrey and knowing what Jim Carrey was able to do after that. I'm going to give the movie a solid eight again for what it is being a comedy. It kept me laughing. It kept me rolling. It kept me entertained, Um, you know, and that's what it's supposed to do. And it did exactly what it's supposed to do. And I and I think at a fairly proficient level. So, I, again, I give it an eight. It's one of my favorite movies. It is my favorite movie of all time. And um, yeah, Jim Carrey is the shit, dude. To me. <laughs> All right, y'all. We're going to wrap it up for tonight. Um, we come back. We're going to uh, continue the, the divisional uh, previews for the NFL. Uh, we will be talking about the NFC East. Um, we do have some news on tap. Uh, I'm not too sure what, new, what news to, stories I want to cover at the moment. We're going. Th- I'm going through those right now. So we definitely will be back. Uh, we will be talking about. Like I said, I know I'm going to be talking about some football. Um, other than that, uh, some more baseball as well. Tomorrow, uh, either tomorrow or Tuesday, we'll go through the standings comprehensively for baseball. So we'll go through all the divisions and we'll go from there. And um, for tonight, 
yeah, that's it, y'all. Um, I hope y'all have a good night. Much love. And thank you for all those who continue to listen to me. Look me up on Facebook, El Jamal. I'm around. Again, like I said, we are still getting the social media presence up. But please, anytime you want any, you know, all the listeners, I'm very grateful. Thank you for taking the time. And again, this is never out of bounds. This is the place where your Second Amendment is protected as long as you got the facts. And for tonight, this is El Jamal. Once again, signing out. Peace.